The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. He's David Johnson at Rebels247. We both write for the Old Miss Spirit, OldMissSpirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. Today's guest, only one, Bradley South, former Old Miss offensive lineman, co-hosts the post-game show with me. He's going to do his weekly football fix because Ole Miss and Tulane have a showdown Saturday at 7 p.m. Central Time on ESPN2. David, what's up? Well, doing good, Ben. I mean, we're... Uh... Getting close to this showdown Saturday night in Oxford. Who would have thunk it back in the off season that uh, this game between Ole Miss and Tulane would take on the complexion that it has? There are going to be people across the country watching this because what did Tulane do week one? They took Oklahoma to the brink. And uh, they're going to be a test for Ole Miss Saturday night. And if anybody says Lane Kiffin, has not preached that to his team this week, they're not being truthful because he has. Kiffin, at every opportunity he gets, talks about how good this Tulane football team is. So Ole Miss fans, not a one of you, ought to be surprised when this turns into a battle. I do think Ole Miss wins this game. It is not going to be the traditional Ole Miss Tulane cakewalk. And that's in spite of how good this Ole Miss team is. I think this Ole Miss team is a top 10 caliber team. I also think Oklahoma is a top 10 caliber team. So that ought to tell you everything I really think about Tulane. And, you know, you look at this series and what, this will be the 88th time Ole Miss and Tulane have met on a football field. Remember Tulane used to be a part of the old SEC, and I'm convinced we have some spirit subscribers that were around back then, all right? So they remember this. But out of those 87 previous meetings, Ole Miss has won 70 times. So, you know, we all have a tendency to start taking things for granted. Do not take this game for granted Saturday night. This is a good Tulane football team, Ben. This is a Tulane team that after this weekend, could very well win the rest of them. You know, they, they could be a 10-win team when everything pulls in at the end of the season. 
know who you're playing, know your foe, so to speak. This is a very good football team. Kiffin's even said, hey, I'm not just giving you guys a bunch of coach speak. These guys are good. They're SEC good, and they're deep. They're particularly deep on the defensive side of the football, Ben. So when that third and fourth quarter rolls around, they're going to be fresh. Ole Miss is going to play a fresh defense in the second half for the first time all season because of Tulane's depth. And again, I think Ole Miss wins this game. And I think Vegas has it about right, 14 to 15 points. But by no means do I think this is going to be easy. This is going to be a tough one. Mark my word. We got in a little bit of trouble on Tuesday because we talked more about Alabama than we did anything else. And it's so funny how Ole Miss fans, and it's not just on the Ole Miss Spirit message board, but on Twitter, social media, other message boards, they've adopted this rat poison kind of uh, catchphrase moniker that Lane Kiffin has come yeah, around with. And I dig it. I really do. But it in podcasting and talking about sports, exactly that. But the idea that we have to adhere to this rat poison stuff, if they're worried about what you and I are saying no. on a podcast, no. I mean, we're not playing. Yeah. Well, I think we made it perfectly clear. Neither one of us are going to call a play or run a play Saturday night. So it doesn't matter where our head's at at all. It does not matter. And, you know, uh, superstitions aside, it doesn't matter where the fans' heads are at either. But uh, it matters what the 240 or so people who work for that program or play for that program or coach for that program, it matters where their heads are. You know, it doesn't matter that your lucky jersey got shrunk and you can't wear it to the game or your lucky shorts like in that Dr. Pepper commercial. Um, none of that matters. None of that matters. So, uh, we're free to prognosticate and uh, look ahead all we want to. Doesn't matter, not one iota, how your football team plays. Oh, so, uh, so there are very few people in this world that can get me in trouble. And um, they all live under the same roof with me. So, uh, I mean, I mean, I could wear green shoes to the game Saturday night. It's not going to affect Ole Miss and how they play. It's not going to help Tulane, not one iota. I mean, it's all about blocking, tackling, and execution, as it always has been in games where talent is similar. Now, I don't mean to say that to say I think the talent is similar. I think Ole Miss is a more talented football team. That's why I think they're going to win by two touchdowns. But it's in the same ballpark. Willie Fritz has done one heck of a job at Tulane. And I don't think anybody would argue against that. Oh, I mean, no. He's recruited players in down there. He's recruited guys others did not recruit, and he has developed them. That's what Willie Fritz has done. And uh, that's why he's got a mighty fine ball team that's going to be coming into Vaught Hemingway Saturday night. I don't know what game it reminds me of in previous years, whatever past Ole Miss seasons, but it feels like one of those games, Ole Miss is going into it and they're going to win the game, but Ole Miss fans are so used to approaching these type of games with a team that's dangerous enough that if it were LSU, if it were Auburn, if it were Oklahoma, Ohio State, they would know they were going to win this game, and yes, they would give them a little bit of a test or whatever, but they're the better team. I feel like Ole Miss fans are kind of uh, kind of getting ahead of their skis a little bit 
as far as worrying about winning this game, because I think Ole Miss is going to beat Tulane, because if you believe Ole Miss to be the team that we think it is, of course it's going to beat Tulane. Yes, yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough test and everything like that, but they're the better team. So I think Ole Miss fans are doing that thing where they get really worked up about an opponent they're better than just because of past history of Ole Miss, if that makes sense, because they're so used to being burnt in some way. Reminds me of a little bit like the week going into Memphis in 2015. Mm. Similar kind of matchup. Ole Miss, a better team, superior talent. But you know you got a dog on that other side that is capable of biting you. And uh, I don't want to bring up bad memories, but it's kind of a little bit of the scenario here. Not saying similarities because this is a totally different Ole Miss team. It's under different leadership. Not go- I'm not saying the results are going to be the same. But if you're looking for that opponent, kind of like this, like Cal in 2019, where you're going in thinking, and you ought to win it by a couple of touchdowns. But it doesn't work out that way. Now, I'm going to pick Ole Miss to win this game, and I believe they will. I cannot say this so much. For God's sakes, don't get on the message board and start posting. David Johnson said we were going to lose this game. I am not saying that. I'm just saying this is not your daddy's or your granddaddy's Tulane. This is a this is one of those once every 10-year teams that Tulane's able to manifest. This is a very good team. It's going to be a good ball game. Ole Miss is going to win it. Yeah, they're they're going to win the game. Here's the thing. The difference between the Cal game and even the Memphis game is the faith I have in Lane Kiffin and this staff far surpasses any kind of faith or lack thereof that I had in Matt Luke and his staff or Hugh Freeze and his staff, even though I thought Hugh Freeze was great. For all his faults, hell of a football coach. But going into this game, the expectation is you won't have that kind of letdown because you trust the process and what Lane Kiffin and his staff have brought. They haven't given you one of those letdown performances yet. So why would you expect it against Tulane, even though Tulane is a good football team? So that's where I'm at with it. I just don't think that uh, people need to get all up in their feelings, their old Ole Miss feelings about this game, knowing that Ole Miss is the better football team. And if you think Ole Miss is the team that is uh, top 10, potentially number two in the SEC West, then while Tulane will give them their best shot and might make a hell of a challenge for them, they're going to win the game because that's what teams – that are in that position, that are that good, that are considered among the very best, the top 10 in college football, they win these games. And yeah, it it might be a test. They might learn a lot about themselves in the game, but the outcome shouldn't be in doubt. You know, I wonder who the guy was that sat in a boardroom down in New Orleans so many years ago and said, you know what? We're getting out of this SEC thing. We don't, we don't want to belong to this conference anymore. It's brilliant. There are bigger and better things ahead for us. Who was that guy? And what a self-owned, too. Everybody's talked about... Notes. I'm desperately looking for it. Yeah, well, everyone's talking about these stickers, or the sticker that they put on the back of their helmet that shows their three SEC championships. And it's a great troll job, or whatever they say, about two, from Tulane in regards to the Ole Miss game. And yet, I'm like, that's the biggest <laughs> self-owned ever. You just admitted that you screwed up. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? I mean, now, they've got the wherewithal down there, it appears, and and they're an academic, a great academic institution, much like Vanderbilt. But by George, they're getting it done on the football field down there. 
Um, could you imagine, you know, what Tulane might be today? Now, for all I know, and I haven't researched the history, and somebody on the board will know it, and they'll put this up under the podcast. But uh, as far as I know, Huey Long may have thrown him out for his beloved LSU, you know, so many years ago. I don't know, but uh, who knows? But wow, what a what a snafu! And you're exactly right. Tulane's trolling the SEC. Oh my gosh! I just wonder who's responsible for that. What enlightened educator made that call? At least they tried. Good for you guys. Great job. Great job with the sticker. You made a great attempt at a joke, but that's a true cell phone because you got out of the best conference in all of college football. So sure, you got your titles. That's in your history. But the big black mark of you got out and then it became what it is. You look so stupid going into this game, even though you try to be funny. I don't know. It is what it is. We've got a ball game Saturday night. Yes, this sir. Going to be a late one. Going to be a late one. Oh, man, it's one of those uh, go to bed at 4 a.m. kind of games. I mean, I, I went to bed at 4 a.m. last Saturday night. It is impossible to cover a game, go home, get all geared up for the post-game coverage, and then finish and go, I'm going to bed. It's 3 a.m. I'm going to bed. You can't cut the wires off like that. No, you can't. You know? So, you know, you end up sleeping until lunchtime on Sunday. You get up, look at the message board, and the first post is, oh, my God, we won last night. There's not a stitch of coverage. You know? I mean, uh, so that's generally how I start off my Sundays after a late kickoff game. Then you're looking uh, for that, David, because I don't see that. I don't believe that. A late kickoff, if you – No, no, no. It's there. you got to look for it, but it's there. But if you plug in – It may be in code – but it's there. But on Sunday morning, if you went to bed, you wake up to eight to ten things on the Ole Miss Spirit front page. So what are you complaining about? It's all new to you. Know. That's my point. Well, it's not new to the guy who stayed up with you at 3 a.m. the night before. That's true. Yeah, not new to him. But uh, nevertheless, hey, this this is going to be a fun season to cover. We all already know that. It's going to be a fun season to be a fan. Um, and it's going to be a lot more fun. When the Rebels win Saturday night, and that Alabama game is looming ahead. But we're not going to talk about that. No, no. We are not going to go there tonight. No. Not going to do it. What have we learned this week from the media opportunities with Lane Kiffin and the players? I know they don't talk about injuries or anything, but any big takeaways? You know, the biggest takeaway probably is Lane is not happy with his offensive line play, regardless of what pro football focus says he should uh, be. You know, it was kind of interesting Monday. I look up and Pro Football Focus has rated the Ole Miss offensive line performance from Saturday night as the third best in the country. So I go in the press conference and, you know, I had one eyebrow raised about that. So I watched the O-line and I knew it wasn't a great effort, great performance. Let me say that, particularly when it comes to pass protection. But I thought I'd throw Lane a bone in the press conference. Hey, Lane, uh, Pro Football Focus says you had the third best offensive line uh, uh, performance in the country Saturday night. What say you? Well, needless to say, he disagreed with that assessment. He did not agree. Did not agree. Yeah. So the only person that matters in regards to how they think the Ole Miss offensive line is playing is not happy. Okay. Not not happy. Does that surprise well, you at all? Fix some things. 
You know, it doesn't surprise me because uh, Matt Corral got harassed more than he should have gotten harassed Saturday night. He was sacked twice. He had to run for his life several more times. Uh, That is not what you want Matt Corral having to do. If it's a design run, it's one thing. If it's a critical moment of the game and he can get it with his legs, that's one thing. But just getting flushed out of the pocket by big old ugly defensive ends, uh, that's another thing all the way around. And I thought Lane made a great point. You know, people look at the box score and go, man, Ole Miss ran for 336 yards Saturday night. That old line must have been road grading people. No. And as Lane put it out, but, you know, put it in very simple terms, hey, man, we're running out four wide receivers and spreading them out wide. We ought to be able to run the football when we're doing that. And he's exactly right. You know, that's a case where, you know, a lot of times the mantra is you got to run the ball to set up the pass. A lot of times in this Ole Miss offense, it's almost like they throw the ball to set up the run. And also a lot of their short passing game, yes, it gets counted as passing yards, but for Ole Miss, they mm-hmm. chart it the same as if they're rushing yards. So if they're throwing it behind the line of scrimmage and they gain three or four, yes, that goes into the passing column for Matt Corral. But as far as Ole Miss charting it, that's kind of part of the running game. Yeah, and you know, when you, you look at production numbers, and I asked Lane about this on Wednesday on the SEC teleconference call. You know, I asked him, you know, his offense, he's always labeled as this pass-happy Frankenstein type of play caller. You know, it's going to throw the ball 95 times a game. That's not Lane Kiffin offensive football. If you look at where he's been, he's been very balanced. And, I mean, he made a great point. You know, a kid they had at running back down at FAU led the nation in carries. Derrick Henry, when he was the OC at Alabama, led the nation in carries. Lane Kiffin runs the football, and he runs it on purpose. And yes, his run game is aided by that dynamic and, uh, you know, incredible passing game that uh, seems to have formed his reputation as a play caller. But it's much more than that. It's much deeper than that. And, uh, you know, I just thought that was an interesting point he made about the offensive line. So we've learned that. To be honest with you, we still don't know if Jake Springer is going to play Saturday. Uh, Lane was asked about that again on Wednesday. You know, he basically just said, we hope he plays. He's not going to talk much about injuries. You know that. Everybody knows that by now. And that's probably the smartest thing he can do. Why are you going to tell somebody that, you know, the left knee of somebody is giving them problems going into a ball game? You you don't want to do that. So he's not going to say a lot, but, uh, you know, well, it's going to be game time before we know if Jake Springer's going to play or not. Um, Orlando Amana, I feel pretty confident just, just – listening to a couple of other people talk about it, that he's going to be back in at center. But if not, Bryce Ramsey uh, was certainly serviceable uh, Saturday night against Austin P. So, so we'll see. I, I don't know of any other injuries right now that would affect anybody. I think you're going to see the return of Tavius Robinson finally on the defensive line. I think it's been a situation where in the first game, he wasn't quite ready. In the second game against Austin P, there was no sense whatsoever to put him out there when you could give him an extra period of time to get healthy. So, uh, you know, I, I think they're going to be pretty much uh, hitting on all cylinders 
come Saturday night. And uh, they're going to need to be. They really are. I mean, I, I, I think you and I were talking earlier this week. I think it was you and I. But look, I think Tulane is just as good as Arkansas and just as good as Mississippi State. That's kind of what you're facing. I, I think they're just as good as Tennessee. You know, so would you take any of those teams lightly? I don't think so. And so, therefore, you should not be taking the Tulane Green Wave lightly. Uh, they're a capable football team. We've said that enough. But you who's know, taking point, Tulane lightly? Uh, no one's taking Tulane lightly. We weren't taking Tulane lightly on Tuesday, but we're not playing the games. No one's taking Tulane lightly here. That's the whole deal. And my question about the offensive line is very simple. Okay, so... He didn't like the performance of the offensive line. We know Orlando Umana, even though he played against Louisville, he'd been banged up in fall camp. He doesn't play against Austin P. Bryce Ramsey, he was hit or miss. They don't have a lot of depth. And when you look at the depth pieces that they potentially have, it just makes you wonder, like, for example, where's Reese McIntyre? Where's Micah Pettis? Where's Peyton Cox, Cedric Nicely, Carter Colquitt? Where's Tobias Braun? Where are these guys? Yeah, you know, and that's... uh... That's the thing, you know, like when fall camp's going on, you get a lot of questions about a lot of different guys. And, you know, I'm going to tell you, I'm the last person in the world that wants to just get on there and go, hey, this guy sucks right now. This guy's not going to get out there during the game. And if he does, we're in a boatload of trouble. I'm not going to do reports like that. You know, basically my rule of thumb is if I'm not talking about him, there you have it. You know, so uh, yeah. As far as depth on the interior, I do think there is a little depth on the interior. I think they're okay with depth on the interior, to be honest with you. There, the you know, there's less depth on the interior because Jalen Cunningham got moved over to defensive tackle and played a little bit last week, and uh, that may say something more about the depth on the defensive line than it does depth on the interior of the offensive line. But uh, you know, the biggest area that, that you got to be concerned with with depth on the offensive line are on the edges behind Nick Broker and Jeremy James. Um, because, you know, I don't know because I haven't seen a serviceable tackle in game action yet behind those two. It's one thing at practice. It's a whole nother thing when you got to think on your feet out there uh, and there's no margin for error during a ball game or you get your quarterback whacked. You know, so, uh, you know, there was opportunity to play a lot of those guys on the offensive line Saturday night. We didn't see that happen. Um, So uh, you probably won't see it happen until it has to happen. That would be my take on that. I will say this. You say Bryce Ramsey, all right. Well, I I would say this. Through two games uh, worth of evidence, Bryce Ramsey's the, the third guy on that interior, whether it be center or guard because he filled in for Ben Brown uh, late in the Louisville game on the season opener. So, uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, but depth is is fluid, okay? I, I mean, you know, where you're at with your depth on week one may not be where you're at with your depth on week three. It shouldn't be, as that depth ought to be always and continuously developing and getting better. So, uh, you know, that's what you're hoping for there. The signs of summer are here. Freshly mowed grass, days in the water at the ballpark, and all the rest on the golf course. Well, that's how we do it over here at Oxford and Ole Miss anyway. And PXG Golf Apparel is here to make sure you're locked and loaded for round after round at University Course or Oxford Country Club. 
PXG has taken its mission to create the most high-quality, high-performance golf clubs in the game to their new line of apparel as well. With PXG Apparel, there's something for everyone. From pants, polos, and sweaters to hats, joggers, and skirts. You'll usually find me with a hat on my head, and PXG has nailed the fitted breathable. And my navy goes with pretty much anything. So don't wait another second. Elevate your style game on and off the course with the PXG Spring Summer 2024 Collection. Head over to pxg.com TOC and use promo code TOC for Talk of Champions at checkout to save 10% on all apparel. That's pxg.com TOC, code TOC for Talk of Champions to save 10% on apparel. PXG, a proud sponsor of the Talk of Champions podcast network. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Well, here's why I ask. Against Austin P, a game where Eli Acker should play a lot, a game where Tobias Braun should play a lot, at least on paper, theoretically. There were 84 total snaps. Bryce Ramsey played 79, the most of any offensive player. Nick Broker, Caleb Warren, and Jeremy James were all tied for second with 60. Four of the top five players were the offensive linemen in a 54-17 win. And Ben Brown played 60. And then the next closest offensive lineman was Cedric Melton and Eli Eicher and Reese McIntyre at 24. An offensive line is a unit, okay? And it works best as a unit when all parts are moving simultaneously and correctly with one another. Um, and particularly early in the season like this, look, at that Austin P game been week 10, you would have seen a lot of other guys get a lot of snaps up front. But early in the season, where you're two games into the season and you're still trying to, trying to get your guys, your first five guys in a group, plus add to the factor that your starting center was out that game, it doesn't surprise me at all that you keep those guys in for as long as you keep them in. Okay. Uh, just because, you know, you've got a responsibility to that first unit to get them clicking. You know, it's not five guys doing their own individual thing when that ball is snapped. They all have a, a reason, rhyme, and purpose to where they're going. And one guy can screw the whole whole thing up and make one one guy who did the correct thing look like an idiot, you know, and it wasn't his fault. So I, I kind of get that. If I'm Jake Thornton, I'm wanting to keep my first guys out there as long as I can, particularly early in the season, because I want to establish a rhythm. I want to get them in a groove. I want them working as one, as a unit. That voice you hear is David Johnson. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. If you haven't already subscribed, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. We're found wherever you get your podcast. Just simply search Talk of Champions. We both write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by Cheney's Pharmacy, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. It's the most wonderful time of the year. No, it's not Christmas time. It's football season, specifically Ole Miss football season. You want to be there, right? In the Grove, in Vaught-Hemingway Stadium, cheering on the Rebels every single Saturday. The only way to do that is to make sure you're healthy, to take care of yourself, to have a pharmacy that you can trust. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy. 
a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the rebels themselves. Chinese Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. Hands down, it's not close. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at cheneyspharmacy.com. Make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. All right, we've got to jump to Bradley South for his football fix. Before we do, Dontario Drummond, according to Pro Football Focus College, is the only wide receiver in college football <laughs> with a 90-plus grade so far this season. He's at 92.8, all right? Ask Lane, ask Lane Kiffin about that grade I know. see what Lane said. I know. So I'm not asking Lane Kiffin. I'm asking David Johnson. If he continues on this pace, where does he stack up? As far as single-season performances by an Ole Miss wide receiver, we've seen A.J. Brown, Dante Moncrief, Shea Hodge, Elijah Moore, oh, Laquan. I mean, he'd be up yeah, there. He, he would smash them all, but, you know, here's the deal. No, he would smash those records if he keeps up this torrid pace. But, uh, you know, just like we talked about the other day, eventually this Ole Miss defense is going to have to win a, win a game for the Rebels this year because somebody's going to scratch something out that's going to put a hitch and a giddy up in the offense, at least for one game. The same thing will happen with Ontario Drummond and Matt Corral is going to have to depend on Jonathan Mingo and Braylon Sanders and guys like that. And thank goodness he's got those guys. He's got those guys. It's just like, you know, Braylon Sanders hasn't been lighting up the box score the first two games. Rest assured his time's coming. His time is coming. They can't cover them all, all the time. And his time has come. So you're not buying Dontario Drummond ending up at the end of the year in a single season, all-time great performance in the same breath as A.J. Brown and Dante and Shea and Laquan. Oh, oh, wait a minute. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying he he won't be able to keep up this torrid pace. He's not going to finish a 12-game season with 2,000 receiving yards. That's all I'm saying. But as far as eclipsing those guys in this offense with this quarterback, I wouldn't bet against him. I would not bet against him. See, because A.J. Brown comes out on Twitter and he puts it out there and you ask everybody, how would you rank the all-time Ole Miss great wide receivers? And so I started to look at it because it's an interesting conversation. I've always said A.J. Brown is hands down the best wide receiver Ole Miss has ever produced. But, of course, a number of guys have a case to make. Laquan. Shay, Dante, you know the candidates here. But if Dontario Drummond, if he gets to that eye-popping point, can you consider him an all-time great? Would we do that? Would we talk about Dontario Drummond yeah. that way? I'm just curious. I wonder if people Absolutely. would view him that way. Okay. Yeah, you know, and that's an interesting point you make. I mean, you know, all memories get dusty, right? And, um, you know. Ask Shay Hodge. But, he gets but, underappreciated to this day. He does. Absolutely. Shea gets underappreciated. Mike Wallace, throw Mike Wallace into that. Mike! 50 years from now, a lot of us won't be around to uh, remember these days. 
Okay. And you know, what are you going to do? You're going to flip to the back of the media guide. You're going to look at records. You're going to look at numbers. And, and, you know, that begs the question to be asked and I'll throw this one at you, you know, from a collegiate standpoint, where will DK Metcalf be remembered? Because DK was plagued with injuries during his college career. His numbers are not up there with some of those guys that you mentioned. He doesn't belong in the same conversation as those guys. He doesn't. Yeah, but I mean, he's an NFL great. That's different. Be honest. That's different. It is different, isn't it? I agree with you on that. I agree with you on that. But, you know, it's going to be interesting how history judges these people. But no, if Dontario Drummond goes out and catches for 1,700 yards this year, uh, there ain't going to be many that's ever going to come close to that in the next uh, half century or so. But here's the so question. Think, here's yeah. the question, though. In that conversation, A.J. Brown and Elijah Moore, they both put Elijah in the top two. Of course they did. But a lot of people had Elijah in there. If Don Terrio does it, playing the same position, is that Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are, are you telling me they're ranking one another? Yes, yes, yeah. Elijah had okay, Elijah I, one, I, A.J. two, and they all had D.K. <laughs> in the top five. And I'm like, wait a second. If you look at production, we're not talking about talent because D.K. is one of the most talented players to ever play at Ole Miss. We're talking about production here. And if we're talking about production, then no, he's not in the top five. But then I was thinking about Dontario. And if he goes if he goes on and completes this season and finishes at this pace, which he's not going to finish at this pace, but if he comes close to that, production-wise, he's going to be one of the very best, if not the very best, single-season production. But does that diminish in any way what Elijah Moore did because of the offense he was playing in? Because then I could say, okay, well, Shea or Laquan, or AJ, or a healthy DK in this offense playing that position, you look at Elijah, you look at Dontario Drummond, if Dontario Drummond isn't the same talent as those guys, what would they have done? Then we can start judging it based on talent and production. What is the criteria? Well, okay. All right, you want to talk about production. Let's talk about the biggest column of production. Let's say Dontario Drummond goes on and has a great season. I think he is. Uh, Just say 1,500 yards, which uh, would put him – all-time most, right? 1,500? That'd get him that? Yep. And uh, let's say this is the Ole Miss team that wins an SEC championship. What does that do to his legacy? I, I don't know. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I don't does know. Does it make him the greatest ever? And then let's just say he goes on and gets drafted in the first round. But would he, though? Would that. he get drafted in the first round? Because Ole Miss wide receivers all get drafted in the second. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. I mean, so Don Terrio... 1,500 yards, tops all time. Dontario, SEC championship. Uh, none of those guys can claim that. Dontario goes in the first round. Nobody can claim that out of that crew. So, uh, I mean. But I he can't be better than A.J. Brown to me. He can never, ever leapfrog A.J. Brown. Because I don't well, just consider say, the stat book. And I mean, he's the best. A.J. was the best. Let's also say, and A.J. Brown had some good quarterbacks, but um, – you know, none of those guys were Matt Corral. And the office wasn't Lane Kiffins. That's that's right. That's right. I mean, it's, it's a point to ponder for sure. Uh, here's to Dontario Drummond catching 10 balls for 180 yards and four touchdowns Saturday night against the Tulane Green Wave. There you go. Don't take them for granted. No one's taking message. them for granted. <laughs> uh, you know dang well one of our fearless forecasters or if not two of them are going to pick Ole Miss by 35 or 40. Yeah, I'm not. So. I'm not either. I'm not. I don't feel that for this one. 
I and you don't not, want me to give away what my score prediction is going to be because you say that spoils it for you. So I won't say, I will simply say this. I think Ole Miss crosses the 40-point threshold, but it'll be close. Yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be right around 40. I said 38, 40 points or so. Um, and they're going to need them. I am fascinated to see what Ole Miss fans on Twitter, the Ole Miss Spirit message board, say about Dontario Drummond if he continues this pace. Bring back up the conversation about the top five wide receivers. Where we stack up? Because no one, for me, will ever be able to leapfrog well, AJ. Okay, okay, but hold on. Like Elijah hold on should have, but he won't. He just didn't, and he won't. Not for me, ever. I mean, this is a never-ending gobstopper here yes, that is broken out of the candy box. Um, <laughs> Look, it's late. We're recording well, on Wednesday night. My daughter broke her arm today. I've had a lot of time yeah, to I'm think. Sorry about that. Yeah, it's, she's funny. I love her to death. She was playing tennis. But um, playing, we put it in air quotes, because she didn't break her arm playing tennis. She broke her arm because she tripped over her own feet. Poor thing. It's clumsy. She gets it well, honest. Uh, you know, we call our seven-year-old the bubble girl. She gets hurt <laughs> five, ten times a day. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but, uh, you know, here's one for you on a Wednesday night. Uh, I think I poisoned a bunch of people tonight. Um, oh, my God. I, I couldn't get – yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, it was accidental. Uh, including myself. It doesn't matter if it's accidental. It's still poisoning. Uh, I, I was lighting the charcoal. I told you I was grilling tonight. You did. Lighting the charcoal. I, I had a dud bag of charcoal. Man, I could not get it to light. So I had broken the tiki torches out. And I had a whole like half gallon of uh, tiki torch fuel. And I just said, well, what if I sprinkle some of this over the charcoal to get it to light? And... um you know, more than one person, including myself, after eating off my grill tonight, <laughs> said they felt a little funny. So, uh, uh, you know, if I don't wake up in the morning, you know, it was it's been real. I've enjoyed hey, having you around, man. Time. It's been great having you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot. We're, we 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 got our share of that last year, so we don't need any more of that. No, we don't. But well, uh, hey, look. What a funny way to go. No one forget that. It's the same thing when I almost died by choking on chicken a couple weeks back. And pardon the euphemism, it's not that choking on chicken. It's actually literally almost choking on chicken. Oh, man. Oh, man. Okay, so what I was saying about your, your never-ending gobstopper that's been pulled out of the candy box here, Matt Corral, what if Matt throws for 4,500 yards and 45 touchdowns this year and Ole Miss wins the SEC and – Matt Corral wins the Heisman Trophy. No, he's the best quarterback Where's he at in quarterback, Lord? Where's best he at in quarterback, Lord? Best ever. He has to be. Woo! I mean, he has to be. If he did all that. You see, we're doing it again. We're yeah. putting the cart before the horse, just like we did Tuesday. But, you know, that's kind of how we show our excitement for this football team. Look, man, this It's better than asking still- whether or not Ole Miss can hang with Vanderbilt on Saturday, like it wasn't about oh, Luke. God. I mean, th- this is way more fun. This is what these things are supposed to be. It's like hanging out with two people just yeah. sitting around at the bar or something. This is what you do. You just shoot the shit. Well, it's fun to shoot this con. And um, I expect, look, everybody's going to leave the stadium happy. That's my prediction Saturday night. And uh, then we got two weeks of Ben and I trying to figure out um, <laughs> how to span a 13 day period. <laughs> of coverage that where everybody's mind is on one single thing. Rat poison. Yeah. Rat poison. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. We're going to get, 
oh, we better win Saturday or we're going we're, we're gonna to be accused of being the jinxes. Yeah, so be it. I'm used to that part of it. It comes with the territory. He's David Johnson at Rebels247 on Twitter. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben. We both write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. If you haven't already subscribed, review Talk of Champions and iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. We're found wherever you get your podcast. Just simply search Talk of Champions. We'll be back, me and David, on Tuesday. Me and Brad will have the post-game show on Saturday. Brad coming up for his football fix. Thanks, buddy. Howdy, howdy, everybody. That was David Johnson at Rebels247 on Twitter. We both write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. Going now to Bradley Sal on the Modern Women phone line for his weekly football fix. Before we do, let's hear from Alan Samuels, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram of Oxford, and BNA Bank, two more proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. What's your schedule looking like this fall? Don't answer that. I already know. Ole Miss football Saturdays, right? It's all back, and you're going to be there. But when you're making those trips, why not go in style? in the dream car, truck, or Jeep you've always wanted. Well, the only place to go for your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep is Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. From new and used sales to parts and service, Alan Samuels of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. And what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from every other dealership is Alan Samuels aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. They're gonna get you into your dream car at a price point you can afford, and the process is going to be as seamless as possible. Most everyone who's listened to this podcast should know by now. I only vouch for sponsors I truly believe in. Well, Alan Samuels has been with me the longest. I myself have bought a car from Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, and there's no better car buying experience. Make sure to ask for Byron or Mason and tell them that Talk of Champions sent you so that you can take advantage of any one or more of the services Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. That's 662-234-8000. It's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Let's break him, put him off! Run right through the back of him. Run right through the middle and out the back. It's time now for... Football Fix. What's known in football terms as a slam dunk. Bradley Sal's Football Fix is brought to you by Modern Woodman and My Bookie. Have you ever wondered what you're going to do for retirement? or if you're ever going to actually be able to retire. Well, give my friend Thomas Chandler at Modern Woodman a call. Thomas specializes in retirement and investment planning and loves helping people plan for their dream. And Modern Woodman offers anything you could possibly need from mutual funds to employee benefits to college savings plans and even a 1% guaranteed annuity. Give Thomas a call today, 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. And start taking control of your future today. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman. The NFL is back in action, and so is winning season at MyBookie. With over $500,000 in contest prize money, winning season makes the big games better and the victories even sweeter. Head to MyBookie.ag and choose from a variety of boosts, contests, and promotions up for grabs. Highlighted by the crown jewel of winning season, the famed MyBookie Super Contest. 
It only costs $10 to enter. Pick five games against the spread each week. Each win earns you a point, and each point gets you closer to the grand prize. If you missed out on week one, don't even sweat it because entries are still open, and all it takes is one solid week to get you back in the mix. Don't just take my word for it. Join now and start your winning season with MyBookie today. In order to get you started, make your first deposit at MyBookie.ag and use promo code TOC for Talk of Champions TOC to instantly receive double your deposit. That's double your money to double your winnings with your first ever deposit using promo code TOC for Talk of Champions TOC. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Brad, what's going on, man? How you doing? What's up, Ben? How's it going? Good, man. How are you? Good, good. Same old, same old, man. Just, um, just working, <laughs> working all week, getting, um, getting ready for the game this weekend. I think it'll, um, think it'll be a good matchup. Looking at Tulane, what intrigues you about the matchup? So I went back and watched their game versus Oklahoma. Kind of flipped through it. Um, you know, man, they're really impressive. They're really an impressive opponent. Um, you know, I, I think the game was a lot closer than than what was led on, or, or a lot. Um, it wasn't as close as it led on with the Oklahoma game. Yeah, it came down to onside kick, whatever. Oklahoma just kind of you know, laid down and relaxed on them. They were beating them pretty handily there for for a little bit. But this is certainly a capable team. Um, you know, their their quarterback is pretty impressive. They got some speed at receiver. They run a decent little scheme. You know, I wouldn't say similar to ours, but you know, they do a lot of motion. Um, you know, got a decent run game, good size. You know, for 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 a two lane team, I mean, they got pretty good size on the D line. Um, good size on the O line, so this will be a, a nice matchup for us. I don't think it's it's one of those games where um, where you can go in there take them lightly. That's one hundred percent for sure. They're 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 a solid opponent. Okay, so a lot of Ole Miss fans are looking at that Oklahoma score and they think, okay, if Tulane can do that against Oklahoma, then that means that Tulane's going to give Ole Miss all it can handle. But you're saying after watching the film that it wasn't as close as maybe the final score indicated that Oklahoma, it was more Oklahoma letting off the gas than it was Tulane hanging with Oklahoma in some way. Yeah, I, I want to say Oklahoma was winning 34 to maybe 34 to 10, 34 to 17, somewhere in there, um, may, maybe even 37 to 14, somewhere somewhere along the lines of there. They were winning pretty good, and they threw an interception, um, you know, gave up some they, – they, Oklahoma's defense was off that game, and they were giving up a lot of wide-open plays, busted coverages. Um, you know, cer- certainly Tulane can, is, is can certainly expose you if you're going to play, you know, unsound defense. And yeah, there at the end of the game, um, the quarterback threw a pick, um, they kind of, they end up getting the ball back, driving an onside kick at the end, um, and then getting stopped. So, I mean, yeah, they, they definitely, they came all the way back there at the end. Um, it certainly wasn't that close most of the day. What makes Tulane a difficult opponent to scheme for, be it offensively or defensively? What makes them challenging? Well, I think their quarterbacks just their quarterbacks are key. I mean, he's um, he's like he's like Ole Miss. He's he's the man on that team. Um, you know, he he certainly he certainly can run, can throw. Um, you know that they they really got stopped there on fourth down by one yard to even have to have a chance to potentially go on to have the game winning you know to win the game. So, um, I think their quarterbacks are key, man. He's he, he looks like he can distribute the ball pretty well, and you know their O line and D line, their O line blocks pretty well. Bigger O line. Um, they can run block play decent, and their their D line got some size. So I just think that um, from a scheme standpoint, it's a little bit like like what we do. You know, a lot of motions kind of spread out, can go a little up t- up tempo on you. Um, they got some they got some solid athletes on that side. So um, I just think all in all, they they have they have more talent than than, than typical when playing these playing these schools. Tulane makes it interesting, makes it scary. If what happens, um, if we can't stop the run. 
um, versus them, which which they they do run the ball decent. If we turn the ball over like um, Oklahoma did um, quite a few times, you know, it, it can't get interesting. Do you expect it to be interesting? I expect this to be very similar to the Louisville game. I think there, I think that would be a similar opponent. I think Louisville and Tulane would be very similar. And whereas, you know, if you go out versus Louisville and don't, you know, get after them and don't, you know, play sound defense, you could lose that game. But I think it's somewhere similar to that game. If Ole Miss was coming off the Louisville win and how impressive they were, instead of the Austin P win, even though it was fifty-four to seventeen, it wasn't a great showing in the minds of a lot of Ole Miss fans. If they were coming off the Louisville game, would there be the same type of trepidation that you're seeing right now as Ole Miss prepares for Tulane? No, I, I think I don't think it has anything to do with the Austin P game. I mean, that game was almost got home on Tuesday morning. I mean, it is what it is. That game was just one of those ones you go out there and pull off. Um, you, know, you, you grind that one out. It, it is what it is. I've been in those situations before, playing on Monday night, having to go across the country to play on you know, short rest or play on a Thursday night. They're hard. They're tough games. Um, I don't think – I think what you saw the first week is more so what Ole Miss is. Um, I think the reason why people are a little worried is because of the Oklahoma game, more so than what we did versus Austin P. Like, nobody gives a shit what you did versus Austin P. That just it is what it is, man. I mean, that's – it's – you know, it, it, it was a, it was a low-level low, low level school. You know, we went out there and did what we have to do. No one got it cool. I'm not even thinking about Austin P. I think more so people are a little worried about what they were able to do versus Oklahoma. Then they came out the next week. They didn't play anybody great, but they still put up 61 points. So it shows that – that they have a um, they have very capable players and um, and and can win. So if we were to come out there sleeping, um, you know they could they could certainly get after you. You've been in those interview rooms before. You've had almost fans approach you about this kind of stuff before. In a locker room, is there ever really overlooking an opponent like a Tulane? No, I I, I do not think that that. Um, I mean, I, I get that it's, it sounds good with coach speak, um, you know, fan speak, all that, but. At the end of the day, when you go out there and line up, you're not thinking like, oh, you know, this, this team's not that good. I'm just going to do it. No, you're going against an opponent. So as an athlete, I don't know a time where you're ever taking it lightly or, or not trying as hard. Now, you know, do do um do you get in times during the game where, where you go into a lull and it feels like, you know, you can – maybe be a little bored so to speak or, or a little bit you know to, unfocused i would say unfocused more so than, than, than not trying hard um that, that that certainly can happen in a game i think that's what happened with oklahoma i think they were up big and they thought they would cruise um maybe maybe wasn't as aggressive and um the let them back in the game is there a benefit to playing this game at 7 p.m no, I, I think um i think the seven o'clock games the last two weeks have been solely because of the first week um, in my opinion, that you had to play at night the the last week, and then I feel like, you know, it get, give them one more week to play at night. You know, you, you, most of the time these games are played at eleven, but I, I think that you know, just given how the the season started on a Monday, um, let's give us as much time as possible to kind of kind of rest up after playing two full games in what six days. Um, let's push it back tonight. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, it is, is a solid non-conference game. Um, you know, luckily Tulane's a, a solid school. So it gives us a, a kind of pre, um, you know, pre Alabama matchup. Does it help to play at night though? No, I mean, I, I don't think the time of the game is, is, is that, that big of a deal unless you're, you know, in a way SEC school on that 11 o'clock game, it's always kind of tough, um, to wake up and play cause you have to get up so early and all that. 
but I think, you know, I think it's, it doesn't matter, you know, seven o'clock, 11 o'clock for this game would be fine. I think that, um, if anything, seven o'clock is, is a really good dress rehearsal for a big time prime time game, you know, and I think this is, this is kind of our last, um, you know, get, get all the kinks out, so to speak game or, you know, the opponents gets a little bit better, um, you know, it's, it's 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 a it's a serviceable opponent. Let's go out there, take care of business. Let's get used to lining up at seven o'clock at night. Um, you know, versus versus the team, and you know, because at some point, this the seven o'clock game is going to be versus an SEC opponent, and um, you're going to want to know what that feels like and want to have been in that situation before um, before actually stepping into a, to a real game. What do we absolutely know about Ole Miss after two games? Um, well, I, I think that um, I think we're I think we're a good football team. I really do. I think we are. Are much better football team than last year. Um, I think right now, um, you know, it, it's a matter of which way are we going to go? Are we going to clean up all these penalties? Are we going to clean up some of the, um, you know, some of the mental mistakes? Are we, are we going to clean up some some uh, unforeseen yards on defense? You know, and, and really start trending up and become take become a go from a good football team to a to maybe not say an elite team, but like a like a next level team. Or are we going to stay here and let these things kind of kind of droop us down to be a seven eight win team, you know? So, um, I think it's just a matter of um, you know getting getting a little more consistent, um, you know, on, on offense, not not having the law on the drives, and then you know defense. Let's let's clean up some of the some of the penalties, some I mean, all around penalties um, on both sides, and let's let, let, let's clean some stuff up and let's let's try to take that next step and be a good disciplined football team. Right now, we're just a good football team with with some with some solid talent. But I think we could play the game a little better and become a, a very, very good team. You and I said all during the preseason that Ole Miss defensively didn't have to improve from the 120s, 130s to the 50s to be an 8, 9, 10 win team. They just need to be in the 80s. Well, right now they're at 73. So if they stay here right now, from what you've seen through two games, is that enough to get to where they want to go? Yeah, I think certainly. I think certainly we. Um, you know, we, we, if we stay where we are now, it, we can certainly you know, get to that double digit wins, but I think we won't know what our defense is actually ranked until we play a few sec games. Um, you know, r- right now, I, I think it's a hard judge. You know, they certainly look better. They did better versus Louisville, but we don't really know how good we know how good Austin P is, is not an SEC opponent. We we really don't know how good Louisville is going to be this year. Um, so I think that, that real, you know, give us a two or three sec games to see if we've actually improved because, um, you know, it's it's one of those things, man, where you just know you just it's just it's just a matter of who you're playing, and and I think it'll be a good test to see what we do versus Alabama when, when we do get there, and um, you know if we can stop the run, if we can somewhat slow them down and, and stay kind of in that you know mid tier defensive range, I think we're going to be fine. Is there any change in preparation at all? Any change in approach at all when you're going into the game before the bye week? Um, no, not 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 whatsoever, man. I mean, it's it's just another game, dude. So. There, there's, you know, going into a bye week really doesn't, um, I mean, uh, other than get some injured guys back, um, yeah, I, I don't think the, I don't think you're really looking to the bye week until, uh, um, you know, to after the game. I, I just preparation wise, you, you should be focused on that game, ready to go, and then, um, you know, that this this next week will be good to get some some more reps, young guys in practice, plus you know, work out a few kinks, you know, teach off the film for the first three games. And um, you know, kind of get ready to go for for essentially the real season. Yeah, what is the bye week like? What do y'all do? Um, well, every coach is different, and every team I've been on, heck, in Seattle, 
we took the whole week off. Like, and that was Pete Carroll's thing was, you know, you, after the game, you just go, you're done. You're done. See you back on. I think it was like Saturday or Sunday. So you actually had like six days off. Um, he always felt like, you know, he's a big science guy. He always felt like rest, rested players, a better player. And usually, usually worked there at the end of the season. And on the flip side of Bruce Arians would, um, you know, heck, you practice three. Yeah, just normal. You may get two days off if you're looking at the end of the week. So, um, you know, every coach is different. In college, if I remember correctly, we would do, um, you know, I think you would keep a pretty pretty normal schedule in college. Practice three or four days, and then, then the young guys would get get to scrimmage and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's a, everywhere I've been is different. But in college, what are the practices like? So you're essentially going into those practices looking for things that you need to get better at. Um, you know, when you really focus on those, you're not so much game planning for anybody, but you're just doing base football versus defense. Um, a lot of times you just run your base plays, they run their base plays and it's a matter of, Hey, I'm going to take better sets. I'm going to, you know, try to get, get better at just the overall technique, not, not, you know, not game planning versus an opponent. So, um, that, that's typically how those go. They're, they're typically pretty competitive. Um, you know, just because, you know, you got a couple of days coming up, you know, you got a couple of days coming up that you're off. So um, I, I particularly did not like bye weeks because I feel like it got me out of the rhythm and I always feel like I played kind of bad after one um, the, the week after because I kind of got out of the routine. I like, I like to keep it rolling, especially if you got um, good momentum going. Oh, so Ole Miss having the off week before Alabama, some would say that's an advantage. You're saying you'd prefer not to have that. Um, at personally, as a player, now every player is different. Every player prefers different stuff. Um, some guys can really benefit from the rest. I didn't particularly like bye weeks because I feel like I got out of the rhythm. So um, every player is different. Some some guys like them, some don't. Um, I wasn't a, I was not a huge fan of bye weeks. So I asked this to David Johnson. I'll ask it to you. If Dontario Drummond stays on this current pace, let me look it up real quick. He's got 15 catches, 284, three touchdowns. If he stays on this pace, he's going to shatter the single season record. Now, he's probably not going to stay on this pace, but still, he's on pace at least to get up there in yardage. If he does do that, A.J. Brown goes on Twitter not too long ago. I think it was like a week or two ago. Basically, ask Ole Miss fans to rank the best Ole Miss wide receivers ever. And Elijah Moore puts himself in the top two. A.J. Brown puts himself in the top two. Of course, I say A.J. Brown's the best wide receiver Ole Miss has ever produced and ever will produce. It's going to be hard for anybody to leapfrog A.J. Brown for me. Laquan Treadwell, Dante Moncrief. If Dontario Drummond does get into that stratosphere as far as stats, how do you rank him? Where do you put him? Oh, I think it's a little early for that conversation, but I mean... It is a little yeah. early for that conversation, but that's what we do on these things. I know, but here's another thing, too. What if Mike Wallace had Lane Kiffin as a head coach in this See? offense? See? That's what or, I get or, to. Or, or Shea Hodge or something like that. Yeah. Because... I mean, you just don't know. Every arrow is different, you know. Bill Flowers and or you know anybody over, over the over the law, you know Corey Peterson, any of those guys in this in this offense, what would it look like, you know? So you have to ask yourself: Is it um, you know Don Terry is a great player, but Lane Kiffin's also putting these guys in great situ- situations too, you know? So it, it's just a matter. It's, it's hard to rank them. I feel like nowadays, just because you just don't know. I mean, it, it's it's such pass heavy. These guys are really putting up some some gaudy stats and. Um, I feel like there's a lot of players over the past that were good wide receivers that <clears throat> that would have played unbelievable in this in this offense. See, I'm with you. And that's why I don't like doing the whole LeBron, Michael Jordan stuff. I hate doing Mount Rushmore's. I don't do any of that stuff on this podcast. But I was thinking about this. The person that it would affect the most if Don Terrio Drummond did set any kind of record, whatever it might be, is Elijah Moore. Not to say that Elijah Moore isn't one of the best wide receivers in almost history. He is. 
but it would take away a little bit, a little bit of the luster in regards to ranking him with AJ and Laquan, Dante Shea, if Don Terrio playing his position does the same thing, because then you start to factor in the offense itself. And then I take Mike Wallace, or I take Dante, or Laquan, or Shea. Hell, take Chris Collins, take Corey Peterson, Bill Flowers, take Grant Hurd, and say, okay, I put them in that spot. Don Terrio Drummond did it, so maybe Elijah should be third or fourth. Maybe Shea should be ranked ahead of him, considering what he was playing with. So how do you really start to contextualize who's the best outside of A.J. Brown, because he's the best? So how do you contextualize what the other top four or five is when you consider the offense itself? So Elijah Moore would be the one that get dinged the most. I mean, I, I just think it's it's hard. I mean, it really is. It's, it's almost it's virtually impossible because the offenses have changed over the years. Yep different than, than O-line. I mean, I, honestly, I would have loved to play in a, in a Lane Kiffin offense where they slide pro, they do a lot of run action stuff. You know, we were old school drop back. You know, we were under center, we dropped back. It was just a one-on-one and, you know, it's just a different, it's it's just a different game, man. I mean, this is a, this is a different offense. It's very, very, you know, friendly to the O-line and it's it's a pass-heavy offense. So it, it's, it's just impossible. It's no different than when I, when I was walking to the Bears facility and I'd see it an all-American, all-pro guard. He was 6'1", 230 back in 1950. I mean, it's just, you think that guy's blocking Vaughn Miller nowadays? No, it's not. Everything changes. The game changes. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's just tough to do. There, there's a lot of great wide receivers that have came through here that if they were playing now would would probably be able to put up some pretty crazy numbers. Give me a final score. I'm taking, I think Ole Miss will score 45. I got 45 to 28. It's pretty right on. I'm going to steal it. I'm going to yeah. steal it for the fearless forecast. Just be ready. I'm going to take 45-28, and I'm not going to credit Brad at all. I'm just going to take it. Because that's a good score. It sounds <laughs> about right. He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. We'll be back for the Blue Delta Jeans postgame show. This has been his weekly football fix. Thanks, buddy. See you, Ben. Howdy, toddy. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.